Good morning, Door Creek. It's good to be together. If you're a guest here, welcome. My name's Mark, one of the pastors, and you're joining us. Um, really had a good weekend. It's an unusual weekend, but it's, it's great for you because you're going to get a real clear sense of what we're on about here at Door Creek Church, what's important as we uh, celebrate this past year. So our ministry year comes to an end at the end of August, and so we're going to be looking back and giving thanks to God for all that he's doing in and through this place, and we're going to be looking ahead and committing those plans for next year to him and sharing those, and what holds those two together, the, the past and the future, is just what we're about, the, the values of this place, the mission, the vision of this place. And so a lot going on this morning, and I'm excited that you're here and that we can celebrate together. It's been a great year. Let me just, let me add to that, okay? Some things we didn't capture. So on Monday nights, there's this uh, dynamic, quiet ministry that you may not know about where over 100 people's lives are really being just given great hope as they deal with habits that are hard to break and deep hurts that they want healing from and finding the hope of God. Celebrate recovery. It's been unbelievable what's been going on. The stories of life change that God is doing. When I think about this last year, I think about your generous giving through All In that it's helped our sister church in Monrovia, Liberia, get that training center off the ground. I spoke with Pastor Matthew this week, and this weekend is their first weekend in their new digs. They, I said to you last week, if you were here, I don't think they're going to be meeting. The public schools are closed. They're not supposed to be gathering out in large assemblies, but Obviously, it's okay for the church to meet, and they are in that new training center. That's a worship place, place for community health things, training future church planners, church pastors around West Africa. When I think about this last year, I'm really grateful that God has brought to our church family and to our ministry staff, John Anderson, as our pastor of community development, and a clear focus with his leadership that has us just centering in on the achievement gap and just focusing in on children and students and their families and how to address that and close the gap. Uh, We need to celebrate those who are helpful in growing lots of vegetables, over four tons of food in our food pantry garden this past year. For the generosity of God's people here through Advent Conspiracy and helping our sister church tear down that it was, it was ugly. Alex would be the first to say that was an ugly car wash. It, it was all kinds of bad things going on in that place, tearing it down and creating what they're calling South Madison Field of Dreams. In the most diverse zip code of our state, bringing together African-American kids and Latino and Southeast Asians, all who live in that area, together at that field and pointing them to Christ. When I think about this last year, I can't help but celebrate just the generosity. I've been talking to other church leaders and they go, you meant 15%, didn't you? I said, no, 50%. The giving this year is 50% more than it was last year. It's unbelievable. That's over a million more dollars that was given this year. We're going to cross through the $4 million mark. We still have a little ways to go. Uh, this month to finish out the year strong, but it's been unbelievable. It's been amazing. In this last year, we paid off the mortgage. We didn't hold it up and burn it. Some of you, you went to that service. We didn't do that. 
Randy said we might set off the smoke alarms and that wouldn't be a good thing. So, but it's gone. That $4 million note, we started all in with 1.2 left. That's gone. We celebrate that as we move forward. And just, it's just great to see how God's growing us in that area. And then we want to celebrate our partnership with World Relief in northern Kenya. So we've been talking about it. Starting back uh, three Advent conspiracies ago where we helped sponsor a well. We gave 40000 for a well this last year, helping women and children affected by poverty, helping with food, helping with medical needs. So Turkana is a, a long way away. It took a lot of miles just to get to Nairobi. And when Butch and I got to Nairobi, we, the next day, boarded, up, boarded a plane and we took a two-hour flight up to a place called Lodwar. We were still a long way from Turkana. That next morning, we got into these four-by-four vehicles, and we drove for seven hours, and it was only 100 miles, and uh, it was really remote. In 2009, a drought hit this area. These people used to tend herds and have lots of cows. That's gone. That's gone. They've lived off of aid from world food organizations, including their own country, but they're pretty much have been an abandoned, neglected people. They're called an unreached group of people by missiologists. And we've been partnering with World Relief and their strategy has been brilliant. And I came back humbled by the fact that we are, as in our partnership with other people around the world, changing lives and changing the world. It's it's actually happening. So the strategy is simple. You dig a well, You plant a garden around that well, and you grow churches. Some of them are new churches, some of them are existing churches. And as I reflect on Africa, there's just one word that sums it all up, humbling. Humbling to work with just the most amazing people from World Relief, the Africans, those who joined us from the stateside, was humbling. Humbling to know that we are actually having a part in making their world better. Humbling by worshiping in that place. So I've got all my weeks messed up, but I, I think it's like three Sundays ago, I was in that church. You saw it. And I, I remember doing this as we were singing and I was just looking at the roof and like, there isn't a roof. There's like some branches. You saw it with a few leaves and it's kind of like the open air. And it just instantly moved me because I remember just that last week before going to Africa doing this around our new building all the time going wow God this is so great and then I'm in this place that doesn't look anything like any place we do life in and I was humbled by their joy amidst their extreme poverty I mean I I was humbled in thinking that you know I, I went like you did to a closet, and there's like clothes. We actually had options. They don't have that. We, we pulled out food, and you know, the cereal box from the pantry, the milk from the fridge, stuff in the freezer. They don't have that. We turned on faucets and showers to get cleaned up today. They don't have that. There isn't a school for their kids. They don't have roads. They don't have anything, but you'd never know it when you showed up for church in Turkana. That's very humbling. 
It was really humbling to come around these pastors and hear their courageous vision to connect with Pastor Matthew and hear it again. So we're sitting around the circle. Uh, The guy sitting next to me was translating Pastor Peter, kind of leader of the group. I shared some things and they shared with each other and with JP, the country director from World Relief, what's going on with their work with the Turkana people, how they share these eight, nine pastors, one motorcycle to cruise around in the different villages and the church plants and all these things. And at the end of their sharing, JP, the country director, says to these men, a guy who actually has lived Hotel Rwanda, JP, he's lived it, I heard his story. And he says to his brother African pastors, I just want to thank you for caring about this forgotten place, these forgotten people. Thank you so much for all that you're doing in Turkana. At that time, without hesitation, Pastor Peter says, JP, we're not just trying to reach Turkana. This is like, this is one of the coolest, holiest going off on something. This is what he said. We're not just trying to reach Turkana, JP. We, we want to bring the gospel to Sudan. They're close to Sudan, to Ethiopia. We want to send missionaries to Iraq, to Israel. We want to preach the gospel in Ukraine, take it to England, the United States. He says, I've preached in South Korea. I want to preach the gospel in North Korea. And I'm looking at this guy going, are you kidding me? He shares a motorcycle with eight other pastors to get around Turkana. And he's got a vision for the world. That's really humbling. It's really humbling to catch up with Pastor Matthew and find out they did have church last week. And though it's terrifying right now, this Ebola virus, it's getting worse. Their commitment as a church is to seize the day and move towards these people who've been affected by the virus and they're trusting God for 200 people affected by the virus to come to faith in Christ. That's where they're at right now. When the public schools are shut down and closed. And that's really humbling. And it reminded me that we're kind of in a very precarious time in our church's history as we reflect on this past year and where we're going. Is that we would confuse the categories that somehow think that we're successful as a church because we built a building. The Bible says in times of success, be careful. That's Deuteronomy 6. When you move into this beautiful place I give you, God says, the land flowing with milk and honey, be careful that you don't forget me. And you know what? The danger here, as we turn that tool for ministry into a trophy, the danger here is somehow we become proud of that and forget it's only by the grace of God that we have that building. The danger is that we think that building's for us. And so we turn into this little holy huddle that goes, isn't it nice? Because it's a big, bad world out there. And it's just so nice to get in this beautiful, it's going to be a nice, beautiful place. I want you to feel warm here, but it's not for us not for us. And it's a beautiful space. Walk around it today. Upstairs, downstairs. It's going to change how we do church. I'm convinced. But let me tell you this. You know, my family's from Switzerland. There are a lot of beautiful churches that are no longer filled with the hushed voices of of, of worshipers, but of museum visitors. I had a lady come up to me after service. She said, Man, when you said that, it just reminded me of the, my Presbyterian church that I grew up in near Superior, Wisconsin. 
It's now an accordion museum. Don't for a minute think that this place couldn't be repurposed someday for something else. And how does a church go from being a church that worships and serves the living God to being a collection of ancient artifacts that people go look at? How does that happen? It happens when people lose their way. The mission of God. And on our watch, may that never, never happen. So what I want to do before we move to the year ahead is just, re- just kind of rehearse that. What, what, where are we going here? What are we on about? How are we going to get there? So our vision answers the destination. Where are we going? Here's what we say. By God's grace, here's what we dream about. We desire to be a Christ-centered church for all people where the gospel is continually transforming lives, your life, your children's lives, your friend, your family, your neighbors, your co-workers' lives, renewing this city, our city, in all phases of it, from the rich to the poor, to those who work in education, to the arts, to commerce, to government, renewing our city and changing the world. That's our vision. A Christ-centered church where the work of Christ, the mission of Christ is always before us. The honor of Christ, the glory of Christ. That it's always about Jesus. That it's a church for all people. This isn't like a political, you go, oh, this is a Madison church. I I know what you're talking about. This is like politically correct mumbo jumbo. None of that. It's at the heart of God. It's rooted in the law of God in the Old Testament. It's what the psalmist and wisdom literature says, this is what a righteous person does. They care about the poor. It's what the prophets are accusing God's people of, not just chasing foreign idols, but turning away from the vulnerable among them. It's what Jesus did, always moving towards the vulnerable. It's who the gospel is for. It's the goal of the gospel. Every nation, tongue, and tribe gathered around Christ. And so, there's things that divide us in this world. It could be age. This is a place for young. This is a place for older. It's a place for women. This is a place for men. This is a place for people who know Christ and those who just have a whole lot of questions. This is a place for people that vote conservatively. This is a place for people who vote progressively. This is a place where people have PhDs after their name and are chasing down a GED. This is a place for people that have a lot of money and people that don't have any money. This is a place for people that have disabilities and the rest who don't know they have a disability. (laughs) This is a place, a church centered on Christ for all people. So what are we about? How does that vision become reality? It's by engaging and pursuing the mission he's called us to. We didn't make this up. This is, the, this is right out of Matthew 28, the Great Commission. This is our expression of it. So our mission is this, joining God in changing people into what? Into devoted followers of Christ who change the world with his love. Changing lives to change the world. We can't change anybody, but God does. And he actually uses the church to do that. His people with his word, his grace, his spirit, changes things. That's our 
mission. Jesus went around this world, and on earth he was continually saying, follow me, follow me. He's still doing it. And he's doing it through his church, us, his hands and feet. So how does that happen? How does that get lived out? Well, it gets lived out through our values. And the values, in a sense, are are really a good barometer, a little little kind of checkup. How am I doing? Are these my values? Because this is how the mission gets accomplished, is we live these values. So I'll say the value, and you say the cut line in white. You got it? So it's a little call response. I say the value, I say life of worship, and you say? You guys are a lot quicker than the 8 o'clock service. All right, that's good. You had more coffee. All right, I say Bible's authority. The richness of community. A joyful witness. Compassionate service. Intentional training. Persistent prayer. So, um, how are we doing? How are we doing? So, let me give you some thoughts on how I think we're doing. Um, We've got a fundamental challenge around this concept of margin. So remember in the Old Testament, in the law, it said, don't harvest to the edge of the field so that the poor, the foreigner, the widow, with dignity, could gather some of the crops. They actually left a physical margin. You won't see it in any of our fields this fall. Every farmer will get every bit of it to the very edge of it. Leave margin. We don't have margin. We're kinetic. We're busy. We're getting busier. We don't know the difference between good and best. And that's the most difficult decision. We know the difference between good and bad, but good and best is way more important than this whole matter of margin. And so we don't have enough time in our lives We don't have enough discipline in our lives to free up the resources that God's actually entrusted to us, our time and our financial resources to give to others. And I think what's happened is we don't have the fullness of what God wants for us in terms of community. So what I'm going to use as a metaphor is we have a lot of front door relationships. So you ever have someone come to the front door of your apartment? your condo, your home, and they knock on it. Maybe it's one of the neighbor kids, like happened last night, selling something for the football program, right? It's a pretty short conversation at the front door. It's a completely different conversation than the conversation we have around a dinner table. We're known as a friendly church. I meet with all the newcomers in my living room, and I hear it all the time. Mark, Door Creek is really friendly. That is awesome. That's front door stuff. We need to be friendly at the front door. But here's what I know. God's made us for deep relationship with him and with others in the church. We can't all have it together, but I long for that. We long for you to have deep community with others. The person that you could call at three o'clock in the morning when all you know what is breaking loose and you need somebody. And you have that. So 
someone that you can be real with, someone that's going to be there when it's hard. And I think there's a lot of us that attend here, but don't belong here. That's not what church is about. The metaphor, one of them in the, in the Bible is family. Family. Not there yet. Let me connect something like that building, that new addition is going to fundamentally change that dynamic. So don't you dare keep doing what you've been doing and get up and run out to the parking lot. That's where we, we start building that. We move beyond the front door. Getting into groups is beyond that. Here's another thing that's happened, casualty, is, and I don't know if we've ever had it. I don't know if I've ever had it. No, I know I've never had it. And that is regularly, intentionally moving toward the vulnerable. When I've been teaching the last three years, that is, I have been tutoring the last three years in fifth grade math because that's as high as I can go. (laughs) It is always the best hour of the week. I'm telling you. It's always been the best hour of the week. And we live in a city where 21% of Madison lives below the poverty rate. That's almost 50,000 people. The minority students in Madison, it's 75%. And we, we're, we kind of feel like maybe that's somebody else's. They don't live on my block. That wasn't Jesus' attitude. That wasn't his MO. He's always moving towards the vulnerable. And we need to free up margin in our life to do that. Wherever God leads us to do that. We need to learn to say no to good things. When I think about the year ahead then, I'm going to think about it in the three categories of our vision. Transforming lives, renewing our city, and changing the world. So, as we talk about the year ahead, may the, the lyric of the song that's penned in Psalm 37.5 be kind of the spirit of our hearts right now. The psalmist says, commit everything you do to the Lord, trust him, and he will help you. So, Lord, that's what we're doing right now. We're committing these plans. Family, that's what we're doing. We're committing these plans. Can't do everything this year, but this is what we are going to do to transform lives. We're going to be laser-focused on getting people into groups. We'll talk about the different kinds of groups in just a minute. We want 80% of our weekend average attendance to be in a group. We actually were up to 90 last year. But we're going to have a lot of new people and they need to get in groups. We want to start 20 new life groups. We want the DNA to get planted in groups that one of the things we do beyond studying the word and sharing life together and supporting each other, is serving together and experiencing that joy. Twice a year, serving together, at least. We want to see hundreds of people, young students and children, singles, adults, baptized, lots of them. And we're really excited about jumping in the Gospel of Luke. We're going to hang out with Dr. Luke. And one of the reasons we chose Luke this year as our major study, like in a, in a, I'm just preparing you. We're going to be in Luke a long time, like most of the year. We're going to go through the whole thing. We're going to break it in the middle to talk about what's next in terms of vision 
and what God lays on our heart for the next two years is all in comes to a close. But the reason we picked Luke is Luke, unlike any of the other, other Gospels, talks about the poor, sounds the alarm that says, Mark, your wealth is a spiritual liability. Talks a lot about that. Blows up this artificial category where I think I can love God with all my heart, but not really love my neighbor who's in great need. Just blows that up. And it moves from a Theophilus who needs confidence about the things that he's learned, maybe he's full of doubts, to praise and worship and service at the end of the gospel. I can't wait in two weeks to start that study. When it comes to renewing the city, let me just take through them quick. A year from now, I hope we're launching that new multi-site downtown. We need a leader to lead that and a group of people to own that vision as we move within walking distance of the campus to reach people who work and study and live and play in the city. In the next year, we are praying, as we have been, that God would provide some lease space for our multi-site up north. So they're, they're in a beautiful performance arts center today. It's beautiful. They get it for two hours. They've got the Mac. It's a great place. That's why there's 83 students who've walked through the doors and they're serving them because they actually have a place to do ministry. They need a bigger place so where they actually can meet. We're praying for that. We want to begin to close the achievement gap, a new base for serving on the north side to leverage the goodwill and the relationships we have through boomerangs. I'm really excited because here's what I'm convinced of. God is going to speak to some of us at Door Creek and he's going to say, it's time to move zip codes. I want you to move into the city. And it's going to freak us out when, when we feel that. We're going to go, mm, I had some bad pizza. That cannot be God's voice. <laughs> and I cannot wait to hear the stories about how God starts stirring in a young single person's heart, a young couple's heart, an empty nester's heart to say, we're in. We want to be part of transforming the north side of Madison. When it comes to changing the world, we want to move beyond just the partnership we have with Evangelical Free Church of Monrovia, but to their daughter churches and the church plants and the other work that's going on in Monrovia. We want to have a, a bigger perspective and partnership in the city there of Monrovia. We want to befriend more internationals. All right, so every time I've done this message, it's been two. This is the third time. I'm going to do it. I've got to do it. It's like... We're, we're like totally missing this one. So we said in All In that we want to see 250 partnerships with internationals. Why would we want partners with internationals? Because there's like 10,000 people that are connected with the university. There's not 10,000 students, but when you think about their spouse and their children, there's 10,000 at least that are here in Madison from around the world in places where they have been leaders. They are going to go back as leaders or be going to become leaders in places where we couldn't send you to go tell people about Jesus. And they're actually in this foreign place really excited about their education and really hopeful that they actually might get to know somebody here. And they're all going, I would love that. They've got their hands in the air. Hundreds of them. I think it's that margin thing. So I'd love to appeal to you on the basis of my experience. 
I've got a Chinese adopted daughter. Her name is Ann Mao. She did life with our family. She graced our family. She's an astrophysicist. Are you kidding me? We're talking about things I never knew you could talk about. And she loves Jesus. She's from China. She's now in Bonn, Germany. I can't tell you how rich it was to have Anne be part of our family. But I don't want to persuade you on my experience, which has been unbelievable. I want us to connect international students to the biblical category of one of the vulnerables. It's called the foreigners. They're right here. Let's move towards them. I'm praying this weekend that God will just stir in some hearts that we get a nucleus of leaders that go, let's do this. There is no reason why the world shouldn't be in this place. Because I tell you, it's in our city. We're excited about that. We're excited about serving more women and children affected by poverty through Advent Conspiracy. More on that in the fall. And more people participating in an overseas mission trip. Look, when Butch and I came back from Africa as I've done from any trip outside the country, you just don't do life. You don't see life the same. It changes you, and that's a good thing. I want you to experience that. All right, so here's what I'm asking. I'm asking you to help further the vision, make it become reality, the vision of being a Christ-centered church for all people. Make it be a reality as together we pursue this mission living out the values. And then I want to get you to just kind of get your rhythm of life corresponding with the rhythm of this place. And the rhythm of this place is we gather on the weekend around Christ and his word. We grow in a, in a group, all right? And then we give. We give generously of all that God has entrusted to us. So I want you to grab this piece because it's going to be really important when you get here September 13th and 14th and everything's changed. September 13th, 14th, that's our version of Bratfest, grand opening. There are going to be lots and lots of people here. And you would do us well to uh, create spaces. Some of you just start coming on Saturday nights because this hour is going to be slammed. We're slammed in the middle of, this is summer. Like, every, where is everybody? Well, we're all here, but we're not even like a third of us here. So we're going to have Three different venues at new times. So it starts the 13th and the 14th, and we meet at 9 and 1045. You better say those times because you're going to get messed up and you're going you're gonna to look silly when I see you and go, you forgot what I said, didn't you? So when do we meet on the 13th and 14th? At 9 and 1045. That's right. At 9 and 1045, starting the 13th and the 14th. Now, on Saturday nights, same time, and we only meet here in this space, okay? But on Sunday mornings at both hours, what time are those hours again? Nine. You really are with it. Good. All right. We will be meeting in three places. So there's this service. We call it live. You get it because this is where you've done church before. We're going to reopen what used to be called the Video Cafe. It's number three here. It's called the Foundry. It's going to feel or sound anyways a lot like this, the teachings of video, but it's going to have a whole different feel, a lot different feel. Uh, so that's the Foundry. And then there's the chapel service in our new chapel. And this might be one of the services that you want to check out. It's going to be an amazing place. I was in there singing yesterday. The acoustics are incredible. There's this natural light streaming in. 
There's going to be some liturgies and participation through that. There's going to be orchestrated music and there's going to be uh, video teaching as well. It's going to be a beautiful service. Why do we have different styles of service? Not because we couldn't make up our mind, because we decided we weren't going to build a huge barn because that's a lot of money because we decided we don't all listen to the same music, and music doesn't unite us. It's Christ. And so in our efforts to reach more people and to keep connecting, this is what I want so much for you. When you come into this place, that your heart is connected to God's in a unique way that changes the rest of your week, that helps you process the week in reverse. I want you to get to that place where somebody who just started coming here within the last year said to me, for the first time in my life, I'm going to church because I want to. For the first time in my life, I'm reading the Bible because I want to. And so that's what we want for you. There's going to be a family room. So if you look at number two, the chapel, the the writing, and you get to that word beautiful, that's the prayer room. And right under that, to the right at the end of the second line, liturgies, ah, that's the family room. So the first room on your right, if you've got a little kid who is just, you know, talking and antsy and wanting to move, that's perfect. Simulcast, it'll be right there in the family room. And the other thing I want to say is the chapel is going to be open throughout the week as much as possible to any of us to just go in there, to be quiet, to pray, to hear from God, to read the Bible. It's going to be beautiful. So here's what I want you to have clear in terms of expectations. The building is going to look super amazing, but the systems and processes they're not going to be as slick as the building. So there's going to be a lot of stuff that just doesn't work. There's going to be a lot of change. You're going to get lost. Don't ask me where a room is. I haven't a clue. I think 100s are down there and 200s are up here. That's as good as I can do. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of change. And, and just be patient. There's going to be some lines at the new cafe. It's beautiful. There's even an espresso machine for you coffee addicts. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm, a, I'm a happy tea drinker. Um, there's going to be an express coffee over here. There's going to be lines. There's going to be stuff where you go, that's not working. And I guarantee you the staff will be all over it. And just thanks for your extra grace. There's going to be hundreds of new people here. And you're going to be tempted to say, I'm not greeting anybody because I'm going to probably say something dumb like, you're new here. Are you a guest here? No, I'm a charter member. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. So I do it all the time. I've probably met you before. Sorry, good to be. Just a warm smile. It's huge. Um, Something to expect as we move forward. All right, the second of the big three is growing a group. Three kinds of groups. There's life groups, support groups, common interest groups. So life groups, small group of people, 10 to 14, gathering around Christ, the word, studying the sermon, a lot of them. A lot of them, just doing life together, sharing, supporting, and serving. Support groups, there's something big going on in your life. Maybe there's a habit you need to break. Maybe there's a hurt you need to get some healing. Maybe there's just you need some support for whatever's hard in your life. So you got support groups. Celebrate, grief share, divorce care, giving hope, common interests, women, men, singles, alpha for people that have questions about the faith, questions about finances, getting out of debt. That's the second one. The second rhythm, grow, keep growing. Keep moving toward community. And then the third rhythm is give. Keep giving. Give generously. Letting God grow 
He was a generous person. That's life-giving. So there's an M3 challenge. If you're a giver at Door Creek, in your quarterly statement, you got an M3 challenge. If you're not, you don't know what this is about. Malachi 3, God says, test me in this. Test me in this. Give the tithe. Give 10% and see if I don't knock your socks off. That's not really in the Hebrew there. But it's, you won't outgive me. You won't outgive me. And so the M3 challenge is, would you pray about it before God? Don't turn it in. I don't need to know. This is about you and God. Your heart and your wallet are radically connected for Christ, in Christ's mind. You bring it before the, before the Lord. I'm not asking you to do something that we don't do as a family. I'm not asking you to do something that the leadership of this church isn't committed to doing. The 10% is starting point for generous giving. Some of you are going, man, I don't, I don't even do this. Well, then start. What is it? I don't know. Start. And I'm serious when I say this. If you take the M3 challenge and you get six weeks in, two weeks in, three months in and go, this was a complete mistake. This was a bust. I regret it. I want my money back. Just call me. You call Brad, our senior associate. We'll make sure you get that money back. I don't want that to keep you from what could be the biggest breakthrough in your life as you move and transfer trust from material things to our God. There's this whole matter of serving, reading the house, embracing the truth of like First Peter 4, that each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. So one of my gifts is leadership. So I'm leading in this church. I've got teaching it. You've got gifts. And they're not like, this is here and this is here. Like, they're all essential for this body to be complete, to healthily pursue the work that God's called us to. We need you to find that place. We want you to connect your life to the mission of God, not a program, but to people and to see God use you to change lives.